Welcome to the Diving Pod. My name is Yo Knight Wisdom. I'm a Jamaican diver going to the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games for my second Olympics and just hoping to have a great time. Excellent. I'm Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. Um, you know, just to kind of jump right in, Yona, you know, I think when uh, people think across the world, maybe Jamaica not being a super hot spot for diving. So kind of walk me through how you got involved in, in diving. You know, we talked real briefly before we recorded about doing other sports growing up, but why don't you walk me through your journey? Yeah. So, you know, from the start, when I was, when I was very, very young, my parents took me to swimming lessons um, because that's something they wanted to teach me from an early age. Uh, they felt it was very important. So I, I had the swimming in the bank um, and then, you know, one of my best friends that I used to spend all my time with when I was growing up, uh, one summer he was going to some gymnastics classes uh, at our local leisure centre. And one day, because I had nothing better to do, I went along with him and turned out I was pretty good at gymnastics. So they recommended me to join the City of Leeds Gymnastics Club, which I did and did gymnastics for uh, probably about four or five years. Um, so I had the gymnastics side of it ready. And then just by complete fortune, uh, my school, when I was in year four, so I was about eight years old, the City of Leeds Diving Club came in and were doing a talent identification program. And they put us through these like various gymnastics tests, like flexibility, just general coordination, jumping, upper body strength, things like that. And because of the gymnastics background, I was really good at them all and got invited to a pool session as a follow-up um, to potentially join the squad and I just loved it from day one absolutely loved it you know the the feeling of, of just flying in the air I guess um, it was like it was just like gymnastics but more I guess um, and apparently we got given free time I don't remember this but my coach has told me a number of times that we got given free time at the end of the session I did a front double on one meter just like that and he saw that he was like okay this guy's gonna be all right <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing both gymnastics and diving for a little while, uh, stopped the gymnastics uh, because diving was just the one. That's awesome. Very nice. Awesome. I love that. So where do you, uh, where are you currently training? Uh, currently I train in Edinburgh um, in Scotland. I was in Leeds. I started diving in Leeds. That's where I was born and grew up. Um, and I started diving in Leeds in 2004 and trained there all the way through to 2018. Uh, until there was a lot of changes that went on everything got a bit for me personally a little bit stale just because I'd been in the same place for such a long time and it's almost like I knew exactly what to expect and I wasn't being challenged so um, I was recommended to try a different pool try a different location try a different coach uh, so I moved up to Edinburgh in 2018 and it's been awesome so far you know it's a beautiful city and, uh, and uh, I kind of want to keep I kind of want to keep going on that um, what do, what made you, um, I guess, stick with the change in, in the training, uh, place you're at and, and what do they do? Well, you know, what do they do that suits what you are trying to accomplish and, uh, talk to me about that a little bit. You know, I think the first thing was like a very fresh environment. I think that's always important, uh, once in a while. And I went to school in Leeds. I went to university in Leeds. I never really explored out of Leeds. So that was just my comfort zone in many ways. I'd never really been forced out of it too much apart from when I traveled. So, um, you know, being away from home, uh, 
even though I'd moved out of home a little bit, but like being far away where I couldn't just pop back for a meal one night if I couldn't be bothered cooking or something like that, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, having to figure out things like rent and where I was living and everything like that was, it was a bit of a challenge to start with. You know, all of that helped me grow as a person um, and helped me genuinely realize how much I enjoyed diving, how much I appreciated the sport uh, because everything is centered around that. And, uh, you know, I really kind of re regained that thing. And also, um, I think, you know, she's very good at individual management. So she is good at being flexible and adapting her style of coaching to best suit the particular athlete based on their personality and based on the way that they train. Whereas some other coaches kind of have their way of doing things and just go about their business in that way and hope that people fit into it. Or some of the coaches will, you know, base their style of delivery um, on their best diver and make that apply to everyone else essentially, which makes sense. You know, they all make sense. The, the coach that runs their own style is something that they're comfortable with. And it's something that they feel that they can give their athletes the best. Um, you know, the coach that bases their style on their best athlete makes sense because it's the best one. You know, you, you want the other athletes, divers to aspire to be at that level. So it makes sense for everything to be geared towards that. Um, but, you know, I think I'm, I'm obviously a very, very different diver to most. Um, so I, although I've benefited from training with some of the best divers and basically doing what they do and trying to follow what they do, I need things in my own slight way to get the best out of myself um, because, you know, I might have been good to a certain level being pushed in that direction before, but to get the best out of myself, I just needed that little change. And that's the main thing that I've really felt from uh, Jen up here is just the individual style pertaining to what I need, what I can do, what I can't do and making that work as best as possible. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, Yona. Um, so just a few questions. So you kind of mentioned it, um, that your co current coach kind of individualizes things and, and kind of morphs into the coach that each individual needs. So, so what do you think it was that you needed um, individually that was different than what you were getting? Um, I think I needed like a, a bit more attention, to be fair. Um, yeah. I think I needed a bit more, you know, specific <clears throat> attention on my technique, my style, my my style because it as I've mentioned it is very different to other divers um I can't do the same thing as what Jack does even though that even though our techniques actually look quite similar we go about things in very different ways uh, in certain respects uh, I think they only look similar because we trained in the same place for such a long time um right. but I have to go about it in a completely different way so I think you know the, the attention to detail for me personally, is something that I needed. Um, I also wanted, especially as I was getting older, I wanted to feel like more appreciated and valued, um, which is hard when you're training with someone of that level. Like, Jackie, <laughs> yeah, I probably was appreciated, but you don't really feel it because the onus is on him 100%. And, you know, Dan, who, who also trains in Leeds. Um, so I maybe felt like I was a little bit further down the pecking order than I would have liked. Um, so, you know, whilst I've been up here, I've been 
outside of kind of at my actual training, I've been given good squads to coach. Um, I've been trusted with good squads, like high level squads, um, trusted to balance that with my own training um, and having the freedom to do it in the way that I want. And that has made me feel like <laughs> really empowered in certain ways. Uh, and I feel like that's got more out of my actual diving. Yeah, so I want to cycle back. I feel like we're, we're, I, I have this mental thought of why you are maybe a different diver. Is it because you're nice and tall? I mean, Heath and I, <laughs> we're, we're, we're big tall guys. I couldn't flip like, like these, these crazy guys doing front four and a half. I couldn't do any of that. What makes your diving different is, I guess, the question. I think, I think the height is one thing, but also my weight is another thing. Like, I'm very heavy as well. Um, I know, you know, Steele Johnson's pretty tall. He's got, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know how heavy he is. And James Connor as well from Australia, he's pretty tall. Um, I feel like I'm heavier than the pair of them because I feel like I move the board a lot more than they do. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have the fast twitch movement like some divers do, you know, even some of the taller divers do. I don't have that. I'm quite a slow twitch diver. Um, so I kind of had to, figure that out you know how to be efficient in my movement but still find speed at the same time um in order to make the dives so yeah i'd, I'd say that the height is definitely one thing but um, you know to steal again yeah he, he, i think he actually has very short arms uh whereas i have a very long wingspan um you know which makes getting into shapes tighter a lot harder because i've got to pull more um so, you know, thing, things like that is very small differences. But when you're at this height, when you're at this weight, those differences are just magnified. Um, so I, I've had to try and, you know, claim the dis regain the disadvantage and turn that into an advantage by gaining more height in my dives and getting as high as possible. Not worrying about how fast I spin, but worrying about how, how high I jump and then figuring out how to spin a bit faster. Nice. That makes sense. Actually, right before you got on with us, um, we were both watching your video you just put up of doing some back connections. Yeah. And I would never think to do it that way. I'm like, this is so awesome seeing this drill done this way. And it just kind of seems like you do some outside the box stuff with your dry land even. I, I, it was literally just a random thought. Like I, <laughs> I was, prep, we, we were doing, you know, getting to like optional trading. And so I was prepping to do three of my optionals in the pool and on my workout, I literally said, you know, do some dry board lead ups and then do any drills that, you know, are helpful for, for these three dives. And, you know, I did some drills for my front twist. I did some drills for my back, uh, for my reverse two, uh, three and a half. And then I was like, I want to do a drill for back, but, you know, the one where you do like the wind into the pipe shape on the floor, I was like, that's not, that doesn't normally feel great because I can't get my legs all the way over because my toes hit the floor early. So I don't feel like my hips actually come over. Right. Um, and I can't, I don't feel good when I do the winding because the floor gets in the way. I was like, how can I do something different? And I was just looking around the gym and I was like, maybe I'll just try that. And so I was in one box and went to feet. Um, and then like, and then Jen was like, how about you put another box and then try to do a second one straight away. And then we got the third one and went into a lineup. So yeah, it is, we, we, we do random things like that sometimes. And, you know, it's supported by the rest of the team and we call kind of like, help add on to it and things like that and it just yeah creates a bit of fun but also quite a good drill I think <laughs> I agree I agree um you know so kind of why don't you walk me through um you know how it it sounds like you grew up 
um, in Great Britain. How does that work to now compete under the Jamaican flag? How does that all work? How does that select it? Is that just you did well at, at Worlds and, and you compete? Kind of maybe teach me how that works for you, please. Yeah, well, I think the first thing to say is that selection is very easy because there basically is none. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell the ASAJ, the Swimming Association of Jamaica, I tell them which competitions I want to go to and they enter me. Um, the only one I have to qualify for or be selected for is the Olympics. Um, so it's made my life tremendously easier. Uh, you know, I'm really grateful for British diving and allowing me to train alongside the British divers so frequently and so closely. Um, you know, you might not get that in other sports because of the rivalry and things like that. But uh, I think because I grew up in the British system, I was always very, very close to all the British divers and they value me uh, and, and what I can do. Um, you know, I've always been allowed to just stay really close to them. So joining them on their training camps, uh, you know, joining them at certain competitions. But then the complication is they don't always like their coaches coaching me or coaching right. someone from a different country. So that's been a challenge over the years. Um, and also, you know, going to competitions where my coach wasn't going to be at, uh, especially when I was in Leeds, because he would be with the main British divers when they go to World Series. So I'd have to go to Grand Prix without him or with a different British team or, you know, even on my own pretty much and right. link up with a different coach out there. You know, for example, I went to Canada Cup in, I think it was 2015. And I uh, dove with Aaron, the, the um, Canadian coach. Uh, the number of the, the list of coaches that I've had at competitions over the years is extortionate. I've had a lot, but it's been really cool to hear the different perspective, different opinions, different um, points of view. I, I feel like that's like kind of broadened my uh, vision of diving and how to get the best dive in each capacity, I guess. Right. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Take me to the Olympics. Take me last time you were there, you were competing and even upcoming uh, in Tokyo in just a couple of weeks here. What do you do on deck? What do you do between dives? What do you do um, in the training session before you actually you know, Some people like to stay loose, listen to music. Some people like to joke around with the guys on the pool deck. What do you like to do uh, when you're kind of in those moments? Yeah, um, you know what's fun? Can I flip it around and ask you guys first, and then I'll, I'll give you my answer. So, uh, so for me, um, I always listen to music, but honestly, for me, a lot of it was um, was my coach. My coach, I would, I would say, for a lot of it, he was like that calming presence. So I always had my ritual. I'd see my coach before each dive and after each dive, and um, and in between. Honestly, a lot of what I did was cheer for my competitors. Um, you know, I competed against Aaron. We were on different teams and a lot of times I go get my correction and then I'm going up and like, all right, Aaron, you got this. And so a lot of it for me was, I got a lot of my motivation and my like drive when I was competing from seeing my competitors hit their dives, yeah. like Aaron hits reverse two and a half. I'm like, Oh, I got to drill mine now. So, uh, I definitely always had my playlist. I think when I, whenever we were diving, Eminem was like real big to listen to. He probably still is. A lot of the athletes still listen but sometimes it was rock. Sometimes it was rap. Sometimes it was, I think for even a little bit, there was like hard country for a little. So I listened to anything and everything, but a lot of it was just 
was just being around my competitors and my friends. And that, that was the big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for me, mine switched actually, when I was in high school, I didn't have any teammates on my diving team. So I was a headphone guy. Don't bother me. I'm trying to focus. Like I would do some ab exercises between I would model my dives on deck. And then I got in, well, I mean, i never really did very well in high school at the really big state meet or whatever it might've been. Um, so then in college, I kind of switched it up a little bit and I was just a little bit of a goofball. I mean, like I would get my corrections from my coach and then I would go just exactly what he said. I would go nuts for my teammates on deck cheering. I would go nuts for my competitors. I was always just kind of having a good time and just messing around. And whenever I was talking to somebody, whenever I was, you know, either joking about something or explaining something that was when I was my most relaxed and chilled. And so in college, I, I kind of harnessed that a lot better than what I did in high school, taking it way too seriously for me at least. And um, so, yeah, I just, I ended up being the, the chatterbox for everybody <laughs> on deck at nationals and, and wherever we were. And it was just a lot of fun for me. That's cool. I, I, it's, it's cool to ask and hear your perspective because then I can like, use comparisons in my answer as well um and I, I feel like what you both said is very much the college vibe um you know the college vibe you back your teammates and everything like that you, you it's just it looks like a really fun excited vibe competition unlike the FINA events unlike the world championships and olympics so for me my my processing competition has changed so much over the years i remember my first world championships in barcelona um you know i i would just sit and play a game on my iPad uh, whilst listening to a bit of music behind the boards in the in the gym, and then I basically just like kind of get up and slowly walk towards the board, get my coach and comment, and go and do my dives without really warming up beforehand. And I always felt like I struggled, and then kind of I learned my lesson going into the next year into the World Cup in Shanghai, and I started to do a bit of stretching beforehand. That still wasn't enough, so. The next time round, I started to do a little bit more in terms of warming up. Um, and literally every single competition, I'm doing something slightly different to what I did before. My, my routine doesn't stay the same. What I listen to stays the same. It's generally like hip hop, rap, uh, R&B, something that's going to get me up, Some, but something that I know the lyrics to so I can kind of sing along to the lyrics. So, you know, if I'm ever stood on poolside and you see me on poolside, just look, looking like I'm talking to myself, I'm probably just singing lyrics uh, to a song. Um, so yeah, no. That in, in terms of music, it's it's like that. But you know, I I am very much like I don't care what other people are doing in the pool. You know, I try and avoid watching um, any dives because I immediately start trying to compare myself or think about what I should do that they did wrong, uh, and then that messes up my. I feel like that makes me overthink. I'm I'm a bit of an overthinker, um, and that's not good in diving competitions sometimes. <laughs> um, so I try and avoid watching other people because even even if it's my you know I, I might watch my friends at some point and maybe like give them a small round of applause whatever if they do a good dive but I, re I really don't care what they do because my focus is on what I do and um, it's as simple as that really I, my, my performance routine between dives as it stands is basically like you know about half if, if I've already done a dive and it's quite a Forty plus. I'd say like fifteen to twenty dives before me. I'll, I'll probably like stand up and have a little walk around, um, just to kind of get my body moving a little bit, and then I'll probably go and sit back down and just chill out for a little bit longer. Um, when I'm sat down, I'm probably playing like a game on my phone. So 
in Tokyo at the World Cup, it was Sudoku. I was just playing Sudoku puzzles. Um, if, if it's not that, it's like a football manager type thing. Uh, nothing too taxing, nothing that make, needs me to concentrate too much, something I can kind of just relax at. Um, you know, I'll, I'll then get back up again and start going through like a little warm up. So I'll go kind of up and down poolside, kind of doing a bit of light jogging, knee lifts, uh, just walking stretches, mobility, things like that. Um, I'll do maybe a, a couple drills, but probably not even do any drills. Um, and then, you know, I, I slowly make my way around to my coach um, to get my comments. Uh, and then I'll, I'll probably do run-throughs either before or after my comments. And I'll go stand in the shower for a little while. Whilst I'm in the shower, I'll close my eyes and do some imagery and just imagine the dive that I'm about to do. Um, and then, you know, so it's just a process of kind of trying to get my body into the right place, just, you know, jumping if I need to do some jumps or just standing still if I feel like I need to stand still so I'm not over-pumped, just trying to find the balance. You know, get up and go on the board, do the dive, go get the comment afterwards, but I'm not really too bothered about what the comment is. Uh, and then I'm literally straight off back to my point where I was sitting and chilling and, you know, put my clothes back on and uh, and sit down. You know, if, if some of my friends are around, I might just have a bit of a joke about something random or if something went wrong in my dive, that was quite funny. Or if, if I did something well, or if they did something, you know, I'll just say something random. It was actually quite funny in Tokyo. I was, uh, I can't remember what round it was. It might be the semi-final, but I was um, walking back to sit down and I saw Arturo, the Canadian coach, uh, try and sit down on a spike ball net. And the spike ball net then collapsed. <laughs> I, don't what, I don't know what he was thinking, thinking that that was going to support his weight. But he sat down and the net collapsed and then he just collapsed on the floor. And I feel like I was the only one that saw it. So after seeing that, I then like had a little chuckle to myself, went and sat down. And then the next time I saw someone that I knew, I had to tell them like immediately like what I saw, even though it was during the competition. I think I, I spoke to like Dan between... Uh, just after his, just after one of his dives, I was like, bro, you, you won't believe what I just seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, try, I try and use things like I stay relaxed as much as possible, find like funny things going on. But um, yeah, generally I'm in my zone with my headphones on, um, apart from when I'm diving. What's, awesome. your, uh, w- what's your favorite dive? Like what's, what's the one you get up, you're ready. This is, this is going to be a good one. Um, at the moment, you know, the last kind of three, two, three years, it's been from three and a half pike, which is my opener. That's, that's a dive that I feel I can do with my eyes closed. And if I make a mistake on that, it's, uh, I've probably done something very stupid. Um, you know, it's, it's not an inconsistent dive normally. So, you know, that, that's one when I get on the board, I'm pretty comfortable with. Um, and then, you know, in terms of, I guess, actual fun, I've always enjoyed reverse as a, as a direction. I hate reverse to train it because it always it's always very hard to train but I've always enjoyed doing it in competition because I feel like it's a bit of a challenge to get right and when you get it right it's one of the greatest feelings of relief um, you know is an important one so yeah front as a genuine enjoyment and reverse as a uh, enjoy the challenge yep awesome so so actually I could get this wrong I feel like it had to be about three four years ago and I've been following you on Instagram forever. And it was, I could get this wrong. It was either front four and a half or reverse three and a half. And you're like, I swore I was never going to do this dive. 
and then you did it it's like a birthday dive right or something along those lines yeah that's that's front um (laughs) i i said to edwin my coach that i will be happy to retire never doing this dive (laughs) (laughs) and then you did it and then i did it yeah we you know we we have birthday i don't know if that's a thing in america but we have it's a tradition and uh you know we we choose something random i've had some some bad ones over the years i remember one I did when I was younger was front triple pike on one meter. And I, chopped it, I chopped it down so hard. The first one, I literally landed flat on my back. And then the second one, I chopped it even harder. I managed to hit my feet underneath the board before I landed on my back, um, which was ridiculous. I'd done reverse triple pike on one meter. That was quite a tough one. Um, oh. In with three and a half was a birthday dive. Uh, yeah, many others as well, many others, but you know one year it was like yeah let's do let's do front four and a half I might as well um and you know it, it's um, it's taken me a very long time to gain any kind of confidence on it but i'm slowly reaching that stage that's exciting here that's exciting i just remember watching that and i think i i remember showing all my athletes and i said look this is someone who has been in the olympics and even they have dives they don't want to do but you know, and for whatever reason, you know, birthday dive or, Hey, it's time to, to take that one on. And I think that it was, it was really enlightening for my athletes to see like, Oh, like it's not just now they're scared to do front three and a half tuck and it's a different beast, but, but it's, you know, we all battle that fear, which I think is, it was cool to see someone of your stature kind of still admit that. So it was very, very enlightening to see. Um, you know, the face, the face the still there in, in a lot of my dives, I not necessarily fear of, of hurting myself anymore but just yeah. the fear of obviously getting it wrong because anything can go wrong yeah um, absolutely and you know as i'm getting older i'm actually enjoying that challenge more and more and this that's why i'm kind of pushing front again now uh, and trying to get it right because i feel like i want to get it right because of the fear that it creates and to get over that hurdle if you know what i mean that absolutely. hurdle of three four years ago and i was like i'll never do this dive now i'm like i want to do it well i want to do it right or they compete yeah. well and you know, that's, that's the challenge of the sport. That's exciting. So is that one uh, in the list for the Olympics? Uh, it's not in the list. It's, it's, it's a potential final. If I make it through to a final, um, yeah. same thing for world cup, um, at world cup, I got my dive sheets and I hadn't trained it like two weeks in the lead up. Cause I was just focusing on my prelim list. Uh, and I got my dive sheet and I was writing in my prelim list. I wrote in my semi-final list and I got to final. I was like to my, to Jen, I was like, so I put one and nine in for the final, you know, just for the banner. Um, so I wasn't even expecting to make it through, to be honest. Um, and I put it in and, you know, I made it through. And, you know, the whole time in Tokyo, I was there for like 10 days. I only did three from four and a half, two, two in the training session before the final and then one in the competition. And I managed to get 62 points in it as well, which I was buzzing with for my first one because it could have gone a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um you know, so this kind of leads to a little bit to my next question, you know, as, as a college coach currently, you know, when we get on our recruiting sites and, and we see a lot of athletes from the UK, from all around the world, was that ever something you considered to come to the States and do college diving? Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe a couple of times. The first time, very, very briefly, um, when I was uh, getting ready for, for university over here, so I would have been 16, 17 and I think the only reason I would have considered it is because my coach Edwin used to dive in Miami and that's probably the only place I would have gone because he has that connection there and he would have uh, got me in touch with Randy and, and got me in. 
and we actually went a year later on a training camp mm -hmm. uh, to Miami and you know Randy chose a good time he he uh, signed us up as recruits so we got to go on the field before um, <laughs> before, before a Canes versus FFU game oh. a huge one uh, unfortunately I, I might have ha had a little bit too much fun at the pre-game and I might have forgotten parts of the game <laughs> hey we've all been there <laughs> yeah. that's awesome so, uh, that was a consideration but I kind of felt at the time I was a bit too young I didn't feel like I would be ready to move away from home and I also felt that the best chance of me qualifying for the games was to continue training with Edwin because he knew me the best and yeah. it was his plan and his idea from the start really so I felt that it didn't really come at the right time and uh, it wouldn't have made sense yeah. And then I also considered it potentially post-2016 to do a Masters. Um, I didn't know what the possibility was, but I, I spoke with um, I spoke with Indiana University, um, with Drew, very mm -hmm. briefly, just about the potential and what I would have to do to make it happen. But right. I didn't really go too far. I wasn't that keen on it. Uh, it was just an idea. Um, I, felt, I, felt, I felt like I still wanted to stay at home and still stay in Leeds. Um, but you know, I, I look back and think that I kind of half regret it, but at the same time, I don't because I'm happy with what I achieved. So I completely don't regret my decision whatsoever. The only thing I regret is the experience that I missed out on. But I guess that's the opportunity cost with every decision that you make, isn't it? Yep. Um, so you know, the experience would have been insane. I don't know if I would have been a better diver for going to Miami because I probably would have been caught up in the in the whole Miami <laughs> vibe, um, as I very easily was the following year at the at the pregame. Um, and multiple times afterwards when I've been back to Miami. <laughs> so I think that might have been a slight um, a slight disadvantage to my diving career. But it would have been fun. It would have been awesome. And, you know, I know that Randy and Dario would have kept me in check for sure. Yeah. But even, even though I didn't, I've been able to get some of the experience when I've gone to training camps and you know, I really enjoy working with those guys. And you know, the pool's a bit questionable in certain respects, <laughs> but it's a really cool place to dive. Yeah. I, I still, um, I've been fortunate to meet Randy and Dario once and, and Dario actually dove at division two. He still has the one meter national record in division two diving in our, in these States. Yeah. But, uh, one of the coolest things I remember was meeting Randy and, and I get starstruck a lot of times. And like, I just kind of like words don't come out of my mouth the right way then. <laughs> and, uh, when I met Randy, that's basically what happens. And I was like, Oh, I'm supposed to tell you hi. And he's like, are you a diving coach? Are you a diver? So, so I introduced myself, do all that. And, uh, you know, we, we brought him a couple gifts. We sit there on the pool deck and, and he's like, Hey, I got like 10 minutes after like, what, ask me whatever you want and ask him all these questions. And one of the things he's like, yeah, they want to build us a new pool, but I told him to wait till after the 2020, 2021 Olympics. And I'm like, man, imagine being a diving coach and having so much pull that you can say, just wait till after the next Olympics for them to maybe build you a brand new pool. I'm like, but they were so open. They were so nice and, and watching their athletes. And that was actually going to be my next question for you is what college would you have looked at? And, and it makes perfect sense why you would have chosen Miami and, and they always have great divers always. Uh, 100%. I mean, Randy's, Randy's a legend. He, he's yep. so, he's just so knowledgeable in the sport of diving. He, knows so much and he has so much experience so you know that opportunity to have have 10-15 minutes to talk to him is incredible oh yeah awesome to, to just pick up anything you can get um, yep. 
Although I, th- I feel like he would he'd never class himself as a star. So if someone to be starstruck by him, I think he'd be confused probably about that <laughs> yeah. um, more than anything. Um, but yeah, he he runs that place, man. Like they love him over there. He's yeah. obviously got so much respect. And you know, one of the main reasons I actually went to Miami as well is, is because of Sam Dorman. We made yeah. friends at the World Cup in 2014. And, you know, we it, it was weird because obviously I've met a lot of people in the in the journey that I've been on internationally with diving. Um, but there's few people that I've connected with, like Sam, immediately from the start. Like, like it, it was unbelievable the way that we just got on. And it's been the same way ever since. And, you know, I was so gutted when he retired from diving because he was genuinely one of my favourite people. And when I went to competitions, like, I was always excited to see him, always excited <laughs> to talk to him because we just chat and just have so much fun. Uh, and that was the same every time I went to my out to Miami and he'd always like let me stay at his um and show me around and let literally let me do his do my thing as well. So yeah. Uh he's he's an absolute legend. But Miami, Miami would have been would have been the spot for sure. You're <laughs> that's awesome. You're hit you're hitting on a whole lot of good stuff here, you know, between Heath and I's relationship of always joking around and hearing you and the relationship you had with Sam. I mean, we've said it numerous times on the podcast where diving as an entire sport just seems like this whole family atmosphere you know of course there's competition of course you want to beat these people that are competing against you but at the same time it's sounds you're at there's a friendship there's a camaraderie even with some of those people you're competing against and i love i love to hear that that's true at, even at the highest level yeah, some some of my best friends are in my event, you know, um, worldwide. There's, you know, I think it's because we all know what we go through to get to the point of competing. Um, we cannot influence what anyone else does. Um, so there's no point really trying to do that. The best thing to try and do is support them because at the end of the day, they're in control 100%. Like you're not in control of what they do. Whereas obviously in some other sports, you are in control a little bit. Uh, even, in, you know, the direct comparison is swimming. Um you know, because it's a water sport, even though you are individual, you're racing your own race, you are still competing at the same time as everyone else. In diving, you're not doing that at all. Um, you're on the board and, you know, even if someone else messes up, it doesn't affect whether you nail the dive or mess up. So I think that's that's why it's such a close-knit sport in terms of friendships. And, you know, some some of the people that made, two of my best friends in diving, they're from New Zealand. You know, I never would have met them if it wasn't for diving. I never would even know them. But yep. the we just have so much fun every time we go to a trip and it makes, you know, it makes the memory so much better and so much more enjoyable. Um, and that's one of my favorite things about the sport really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. That's, that's me too. That's my favorite part about this whole sport. So I'm going to get into some of our signature questions here. I just ask everybody, what's your favorite failure? And uh, a couple of times we've uh, that whole failure word. Sometimes that's not necessarily the right word but rather, you know, something that just didn't go well that you learned from or, you know, just any example where, like I said, if something just didn't go quite right and you learned something new or a dive that, you know, you tried and you didn't think it was going to work and then you end up making it work. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think, uh, I think that failures are, are the most important thing. And if you haven't ever failed, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Um, so failures are just they, they suck but they're inevitable um i think my worst one um uh it was probably in terms of in terms of what i 
learned from it and how I changed and improved from it, it has to be World Champs in 2015 in Kazan, um, which was the first qualifying opportunity for the Olympics. Um, and to get there, you needed to finish in the top 12 uh, to qualify a spot. And I finished 38 at that event. And I wasn't particularly emotional because, I mean, there, there was uh, the, the, the previous year, the World Cup in Shanghai, where I finished my event and I was really emotional because I hadn't dived as well as I wanted to and I, I just couldn't control that for whatever reason. Um, but after after World Champs in 2015, I wasn't emotional. I think it was just because I knew exactly what I needed to do to make everything better. I knew I needed to make changes in my whole lifestyle uh, and in the way that I trained, in the way that I pushed myself and in the way that I ate and every, literally every aspect. Uh, and we even, you know, we, we completely changed my list as well compared to what I was using at that point to make sure that I had the best opportunity to qualify for the Games. And then at the next world competition, I went from finishing 38th to admittedly, you know, with, with a few less divers in there, you know, because they didn't need to compete at the World Cup in 2016. Um, but I, I finished 17th in the prelim and then won a silver medal. So that, that turnaround is just ridiculous. And you really That's awesome. Uh, on a on a pike list as well, like uh, I know I know that um, you know I, I would joke about it with Jack afterwards actually because his PB on that same list was four sixty four six one and I scored four five nine so he was ribbing me that I didn't beat his score. Um, <laughs> also, you know, to do something of that level compared to someone like that, it's got to make you feel good, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think I think that was probably the worst failure because it just taught me so much. And I, I still haven't let go of that in my mind. It still is something that I think about to this day in terms of the way I make decisions, the way I behave and act and live. Um, everything that I learned there at that point, it still affects me now. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. that's huge. I, I like that you and Jack can kind of give it back to each other <laughs> here and there, too. This, the. That that's the lead. That was the lead's culture for a period of time, probably between 2012 to 2016 ish, when we had such a strong squad. We had like Jack, we had Chris Mears, um, we had myself, uh, and then a few younger divers like Matty Lee at the time. Um, a few of the lowers, Tom, uh, James Denny. Um, you know, it was a strong squad of good quality divers, and we basically used to rip each other where anytime you made a mistake, anytime you did a bad dive, you'd get ridiculed for it and you'd get sticked for it. So That's it awesome. like generally forced you to like not ever make any mistakes. And, and, you know, we were kind of doing it for the fun of it, you know, just for the banter, you know, if, even if someone makes a, the tiniest little mistake or like knee buckles or something like that, you get absolutely ripped to shreds for it. And, um, so, you know, in some in some places it might be seen as like disrespectful or harsh or whatever, but it taught us so much because that was the level of expectation because we all wanted to be that good. And that led obviously to Jack winning two medals at the Olympics, to Chris getting an Olympic gold, to uh, James Denny qualifying for the Commonwealth Games and winning the Commonwealth uh, gold medal, to me getting a World Cup medal and getting the Olympics, uh, to Matty, you know, now becoming an unbelievable diver that kind of pressure that kind of expectation that pushed us to really get to the top level and that's you know that's part of the reason why Leeds was such a successful club I think just because of the 
pressure and the intensity that we put on each other every single day because of almost ridiculing each other. It's really cool that all of you embrace that. And, and it sounds like there was a little bit of a fun loving atmosphere, but also, Hey, you know, we're all holding each other accountable. We all want to be the best, whether it's the best in the world or the, the best at that meet you're at that. I mean, that's cool that everybody had that mentality of, Hey, we're just going to rip each other, but it's all in love and we all want to make each other better. Yeah. I, you know, the number of times that I made jokes to, to Jack, to his face about him failing double out at London 2012. Like, like most people would not dare to do that just because of who he is. But you know, that's, that's the level in Leeds because, you know, and then it was funny because that was his opening dive at Rio and uh, he was saying he was so scared that he was going to knee buckle again. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Brutal. That's that's the way it was. That's the pressure. That's the pressure. But it's like you can tell the those are the memories you have. Those are the fun things. You know, yeah, you remember the results, but it's like those relationships and those friendships. Yeah. And and you know, Chris is retired now. He's been retired for like two and a bit years. And we don't speak as much as obviously we did before, but anytime we do speak, it's still such a good relationship. And that goes the same for everyone. And you know, because we've all gone on our separate paths, uh, you know, in diving and out of diving, we maybe don't see each other as frequently as before. But anytime we do see each other, it's like literally nothing happened. That relationship's still there um, because that's a bond that you just can't break. Right. Absolutely. So kind of speaking of that, like, you know, how much longer do you want to continue to compete as an athlete? And have you started to think of, you know, what is life after being an athlete? I think a lot of our listeners kind of ask themselves that question a lot of times. Yeah, that's, that's a question that worries me every single day um, because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm quite self-aware, but I'm also very aware of what's going on in the world and what's going on with other people. And I, I enjoy observing other people and seeing what they do. And, you know, you see a number of athletes kind of retire from their sport and not have anything to do for a period of time. And they go through that period of struggle where they don't really know what to do um which is really difficult for them so yeah it's something i think about a lot and it's something that i've been trying to work on that's why i went to university um to to get my degree uh, just to make sure i had that foundation um you know currently i'm studying a course in international sports management and also nice. a, a, a coach and a mentoring qualification um i've been coaching for like seven eight years now uh, in diving uh, I'm literally I take as many opportunities as I can get you know if that's speaking or uh, working with a particular company literally anything I just take all the opportunities I can get because I never know what I'm going to find or what's going to give me that spark for something I want to do after diving and I feel like I'm slowly putting the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out what it is that I want to do and what it is that I enjoy the most apart from the sport of diving um, so yeah no, I've I've always said that I will continue as long as I can if my if three factors are all good. The first one being my body and if that's, you know, in check and I'm not severely injured or in pain constantly when training. So I don't want that. Uh, and I've, I've seen it before in other athletes and it's not an enjoyable thing. The second thing is my mind. Um, do I still have the appetite for diving? Uh, am I, you know, in my health? Push it, put, putting myself through the diving sessions and through the dives um, because that can very easily happen, you know, getting the fear of dives, um, which becomes overwhelming. I don't want to have that when I'm 
still training. And then the final factor is financially, you know, if I can still afford to live essentially um, and afford to like actually save a bit of money as well is something that I've slowly started thinking about more and more. Um, but that's the third main factor, obviously, because if I'm, if I have no money, then I can't really train. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, they're, they're the factors. So I'm, you know, trying to work on, setting myself up so that when I do choose to retire and hopefully it is a choice, hopefully it's not forced upon me because, you know, it's a possibility, but obviously it's not ideal. Um, when I choose to retire, I can go straight into the next thing and not have that period of, you know, struggle and potential depression, things like that, because it's not a nice place to be in. And I think athletes often forget that they can be doing things alongside their training. I think, I think the, the, the system in America is awesome because it forces that upon you, really. It forces you to study a degree. It forces you to um, build your skills in certain areas and industries. Um, that's one thing that doesn't happen over here. Uh, you know, there's a lot of divers that don't study, don't go to university, don't even finish school and just rely on diving and rely on their funding that they get. Um, but that, then that leaves them in a difficult place when they retire because most of them are scrambling. So I've not, obviously not had the, the freedom of getting funding. Uh, and I've also not had the, the, I guess, kind of freedom as well of having everything there set up for me like it is in America, like the, all the support services and everything like that. I've kind of had to yeah. figure it out myself. Um, but I feel that's made me re like even stronger than most. Absolutely. Um, you know, I guess, so kind of, we have about three other questions here that we're going to kind of scramble through here. So, um, what is your favorite drill to do as an athlete to help with your diving? My favorite drill is a, um, I really don't know. I don't, I don't think I have a favorite drill. I, I, I know that drills all help, um, you know, I, I do them for the for the relate relatability that it has to my actual dives rather than for the enjoyment. Um, I guess something like a uh, something that I've been working on is like a like just reverse somersault technique. So doing different drills to kind of improve that. Um, so we've had various different types of like uh, like blocks with a stick or um going from a, a full squat to a reverse somersault and you know, even doing like a double arm swing jump straight into a reverse somersault um to to work on the posture to work on the landing to work on you know using the right muscles at the right time and you know not stamping on the board and I, I say that because I feel like reverse is where I've most improved over the last three years um my reverse technique has got so much better I can actually get on the board and think okay i know how to hit this dive now rather than thinking please survive <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah i'll probably say the, the the drills that i've been doing for reverse uh, they've been some of my favorites just because of how much it's actually helped awesome awesome um so uh my favorite question is what's the best advice you have either given and or received from somebody uh that's easy for me the best advice i've received was from my coach Edwin in the lead up to 2016. Uh, it was actually probably not long after that world champs in 2015. Uh, and he said, 
we don't want to look back and have any regrets. And that's something that I've taken with me in every decision that I make. So what he meant with that was in terms of the list choice, in terms of my lifestyle, wanted to make sure that I did everything, every single thing possible so that when I got to World Cup and I finished my competition, regardless of how it turned out, I could look back on the journey that I've been on and say, you know what, I don't regret anything that I've done. I did everything that I could do and it just wasn't meant to be. And, you know, fortunately it worked out in my, in my favour. But ever since he told me that, I have literally made every single decision thinking whether or not I may regret it in the future and making sure that everything is something that I will not regret or making sure it's a decision I will not regret, being comfortable with it in that way. Um, and, you know, it just makes everything so much easier. That's awesome. And then uh, my last question is, who would you like to hear us interview next? If you could pick anybody in the world. Uh, who have you spoken to already? Uh, Chris well, Colwell. Yeah, go ahead, Aaron. We, we've spoken to a lot of coaches in, in the States. Uh, Lindsay from Yale, uh, Matt from Harvard. We talked to Chris Colwell, who coaches Georgia, and he was also an Olympian back in 08 and 2012. Uh, Jason Bauman coaches a club team in Minnesota. That's where I'm from. Um, we've also, who, who else? Oh, uh, University of UND, Dave McCown, we interviewed him. So just a short list, but we're trying to expand. And we like asking this just, you know, if there's anybody who's a joker, I, I just get a really good vibe from Yona here. I, <laughs> I'm, I, this was so much fun for me. I love hearing the, the banter of, of the leads program. Um, just, yeah, anybody who comes to mind, really, it could be inspirational. It could be anybody. Uh, you got to speak to Badaya. Okay. Right. You got to speak to Badaya. Badaya is one of my favorite people. I'll tell you a story, actually. Um, <laughs> it was one of, one of my most embarrassing moments in diving. Um, it was the year after the, the London Olympics. So obviously, David won. And I was just starting my journey, and I was a little bit of a fan. And, you know, um, I obviously watched him perform at the Games, and he was ridiculously good. I was like, this guy is incredible. Um, so I got to go to the um, Grand Prix in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, it was my first and only time there. And, you know, met him there, which was really cool. And, you know, I was absolutely buzzing by that. And then I think slightly later on that year, um, uh, it was the World Series in London. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the right timeline. Anyway, it was the World Series in London. And I was down there, literally, I think I was being like a flag bearer or something because I just wanted to be in the environment and not pay for a ticket uh, so I could watch. Um, and it was probably just before the men's 10 meters or something like that, I was getting ready to go to poolside to, to go where I needed to go. And as I was walking around, I was talking to someone and we were talking about Troy Dumay. And we all know that Troy is like a, uh, he's quite a character. Uh, in the diving world and especially people in my generation we, we all know him for being a character but also an incredible diver uh, and we were talking about Troy for for whatever reason and then I stepped out of the door and then didn't see who the person was but I heard this American voice go oh hey Yona and I literally look up and instantly just go oh hey Troy but it was, it was 
it was Bedaya. <laughs> it was oh. big. And this was literally like my second ever time meeting him. And I think when I looked up and saw who it was and just immediately responded, I was just so shocked that he knew who he knew my name that that was literally the first thing that came out of my mouth. So I spent the next day and a half kind of groveling and apologizing for calling him Troy. Um, I couldn't believe I got the Olympic champion's name wrong. I was so upset. Um, but fortunately, I think he eventually got over it. And, uh, and we've, been, we've been good friends ever since. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's someone that I value a lot and I appreciate. You know, I've had a few conversations with him, uh, especially over the last couple of years. And, you know, he's, he's, he's incredible. He's an incredible person, incredible diver. And uh, I'm gutted. I'm so gutted that he missed out on the games. I really am. I was following those results. And, uh, you know, there was a few of the American divers that I'm good friends with that I wanted to be at the games. A few of them obviously haven't made it. Uh, but Dave, I was one of the most shocked by and also one of the most gutted by because I was just hoping to see him at another Olympic Games and dive alongside him as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one too. I think we're all a little, a little sad, I guess. It just kind of goes to uh, our our process of selection. You know, you you, yeah. you got to have three incredibly solid lists, and yeah. that's and just the way it fell. It's it's a tough it's a tough way to go about it because sometimes your best divers miss out. And if that system was brought into the UK, the British divers would hate it so much because some of them take nationals for granted. Some of them don't really need to do nationals because they're so good they get pre-selected. Um, not naming names. Um, but it's probably pretty clear who I mean. Um, <laughs> but in American, you know, you got to be on point. But it does. It shows that regardless of who actually gets selected, it is probably the best diver for the job because if if you're you, you don't fluke three lists in a row essentially. Yeah. You don't fluke it. So if you can do three lists on the bounce that are good enough to qualify, then you've done, you've, you've earned your spot pretty well and you can be happy with that. And those that miss out, you know, have to hold their hands up and say, you know what? It, it just wasn't good enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I get a little bit sad here and that that's someone you looked up to. And I think of this, how awesome it would have been for you to get to compete against him. Yeah. And, and I think that, that would have been very, very cool. Um, you know, before Aaron kind of goes through through the process at the end, I just want again, I want to say thank you. You know, I actually uh, I messaged you a long time ago about trying to plan a uh, a training trip because all my athletes kept saying, "Let's go to Jamaica." I was like, "Well, I'll message Jonah. Like he's, you know, like I'm like maybe he'll know." And you actually referred me to, uh, I think Trinidad and Tobago. I think, yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, you know, and and I just I admire how much you interact with with the people that look up to you and your fans on social media. Cause it's, I feel confident. It's easy for someone in your situation to maybe be like, ah, I don't have to respond to these direct messages. And, and I, I can't thank you enough and how awesome it is. You know, I actually coach a kid. He's, he's six foot five, six foot six. And I asked him the other day, I said, who is your favorite athlete, favorite diver to watch? And he said, you, he's like, cause I just don't think a lot of people understand how you have to get your body moving when you just have so much more body to move six, and six, a different game. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he, so I just, I really admire, you know, just, just your journey and sharing it with us and, and being willing to come on here and, and talk to us about your process and how you've learned. So I just, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see people like doing something like this for diving. Like this is not a sport <laughs> people talk about, 
you hear people doing podcasts for football, but people don't care about that enough. And, you know, that's something I want to change. That's why I'm so kind of like open to speaking to people on social media and things like that, because I just want to grow the sport of diving. I think it's a really cool sport. And, you know, also in the future, my intention is to try and set up some kind of diving program in Jamaica and in, in Trinidad as well, you know. That nice. facility in Trinidad is awesome, but it's not being used enough. So yep. I feel like it's partly my responsibility to do something about that since I've got the connection. Um, so I'm trying to create a plan to do that. And, you know, hopefully I can get some coaches out there to 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 work on that program. And, and you know, hopefully that can be something that is realistic in the future. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I love that. And and thanks again for coming on. This is this is probably one of been if not my favorite, one of my favorite interviews, it just felt very natural just to talk to you. And, you know, both Heath and I, I mean, I can't speak for Heath, but I'm certainly a little starstruck. I mean, we get to watch you on TV and compete in our favorite sport in just a few short weeks. So thank you for giving us another person to cheer for. You know, so many times we see our United States teams and we see the big names across the world and we don't know who they are. We don't, we don't get to talk to them. We don't get to have a conversation with them. So now we get to see Yona's name up on the big board and we get to say, Hey, I, I talked to that guy. He's, he's pretty awesome. We, uh, we like that. So, um, any last, uh, any last comments, last thoughts? Uh, no, I, I, I honestly just appreciate it. I think it's, it's been a good chat and hopefully it stays as your favorite interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be screaming at the TV. You got to make finals. Cause I want to see one Oh nine in finals from you. <laughs> if if anybody out there's listening uh hit us up on twitter and instagram we are the diving pod and then our gmail is the diving pod at gmail.com if you have any questions for yona we'll try to shoot those over to him get them answered um and uh yeah feel free to cheer for him at the olympics representing jamaica maybe, maybe we'll have a follow-up chat post games all right yes. that would work yes absolutely best of luck sir appreciate it thank you